Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It's day 374 of our three-year journey through God's Word, and we're today in 1 Samuel chapter 7. If you are familiar with the great hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, and the original words, uh, which the second verse says, Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I'm come. Uh, this is from this chapter. Samuel will uh, raise an Ebenezer, and we'll talk about what that means in this chapter. Uh, this is really the, the positive beginning of the public ministry of the prophet Samuel, who is also the final judge of the nation of Israel. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for how your word speaks truth to our lives. Thank you that you are always with us, that you never leave us or forsake us. We love you and we praise you. And we ask that you would be our teacher today and write your word on our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 7. And the men of Kiriath-Jerim came and took up the ark of the Lord and brought it to the house of Abinadab on the hill. And they consecrated his son Eleazar to have charge of the ark of the Lord. From the day that the ark was lodged at Kiriath-Jerim, a long time passed, some twenty years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And Samuel said to all the house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtaroth from among you, and direct your heart to the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the people of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtaroth, and they served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, Gather all Israel at Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. Now when the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel and when the people of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the people of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. So Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel, but the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion, and they were defeated before Israel. And the men of Israel went out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them as far as below beth -car. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer, for he said, Till now the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, 
and did not again enter into the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. The cities that the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron to Gath. And Israel delivered their territory from the hand of the Philistines. There was peace also between Israel and the Amorites. Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. And he went on a circuit year by year to Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah, and he judged Israel in all these places. Then he would return to Ramah, for his home was there, and there he judged Israel. And he built there an altar to the Lord. Hmm. You know, there's an interesting irony with Samuel's ministry as a judge, and that is, we're out of the book of Judges. Samuel is the final judge. King Saul is going to be anointed as king, and we're going to switch from the judgeship to the kingship. But he's the best judge of all, and he's the only truly faithful judge who does exactly what the Lord calls him to do thoroughly and completely. And so, you know, the old saying, save the best for last, the final judge is the best judge and really the only faithful judge until the final judge who is the best judge and the faithful judge, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is another way in which uh, we have a parallel to Christ here in Samuel. Samuel the prophet, there's, we've seen some parallels uh, intentionally structured in the narrative of Samuel's life. There was a miraculous conception. There was him growing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Uh, there was his his faithfulness to God. And then he's the final judge uh, before the kingship. And when Jesus returns, he'll be the final judge on the final judgment day before the eternal kingship of the new heavens and the new earth, where he will reign openly and gloriously as king of kings and lord of lords forever. And and uh, just as Samuel is a faithful judge, and we really read very little, almost nothing at all, of any unfaithfulness in him. There is no unfaithfulness in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the perfect and final judge. So chapter 7 opens almost with uh, material that really belongs at the end of chapter 6. And you'll see the ESV uh, begins this new section of Samuel Judges Israel at verse 3, and it connects the first two verses of chapter 7 to what was there at the end of chapter 6. And so we know chapter divisions and verse divisions were added hundreds and hundreds of years after the Bible was inspired by God. And so sometimes we may puzzle over why a chapter division is where it is. But anyway, what's interesting as a note here is that they have the Ark of the Lord back. It had been taken captive by the Philistines. And I always think, why not just return it? To the tabernacle of the Lord at Shiloh. Oh, wait a minute. Eli and his sons are all dead. And so if Hophni and Phinehas were killed in the battle when the ark was captured and then Eli died upon hearing the news, you know, what's happening with the tabernacle of the Lord at Shiloh? We don't even know, do we? It's kind of silent. And Samuel had been serving there, but 
He's, he's, he's left there. He's entered into a different phase of his ministry. He's living at Ramah. So we're in this really strange transitional time that's going to last for decades until the temple of the Lord is built by Solomon in Jerusalem. So where do we put the ark? You know, it's just this weird limbo state that Israel is in uh, in terms of their worship for a while. And so it goes to Kiriath-Jerim. It goes to um, Eliezer son of Abinadab and he's consecrated sort of as high priest the ark is there so that sort of makes it the tabernacle it's really the presence of the Lord that makes something the temple of the Lord and the ark is that manifestation of the presence of the Lord on earth and but but everybody knows this isn't right everybody knows this is just I mean the high priest is dead and the two priests who were his sons are dead and the ark was captured and then it was returned and then 70 people died from looking at it and now it's being put in some temporary place where it doesn't really belong and the house of Israel lamented after the Lord they began to realize we have been so unfaithful to Yahweh our God we have been so callous so casual so just wrong-headed in our uh, treatment of Yahweh our God that we need to repent and Samuel says okay if this is real repentance if you are really returning to the lord with all your heart you can't have any other gods right first commandment no other gods before me you can't have any other gods put away all the foreign gods put away the ashtaroth put away all of these things that you're relying on for your provision you would worship the bales to try to get rain you would worship the ashtaroth to try to get fertility from that rain and they served the Lord only. Verse 4 is a remarkable verse given the whole background of of really hundreds of years before this passage. Idolatry throughout the land, even the judges who came up, you know, there may have been a temporary partial turning aside from the false gods, but never never a complete one. This seems to be a complete and absolute statement here in verse 4. So the people of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtaroth, and they served the Lord only. So Samuel's ministry is already having a profoundly positive effect on the people of Israel. Then Samuel says, let's gather together at Mizpah. Now that you've put away the idols, now that you're seeking the Lord, let's gather together and I will pray for you. Notice Samuel is not going to pray for political deliverance for an idolatrous people. Political solutions don't solve idolatrous problems. That's a very key thing for us to keep in mind. Idolatry is a heart problem. And the heart is not changed by who is ruling over and geopolitical, military, external, economic, financial, whatever there is that's external, right, is like putting a Band-Aid on a cancer tumor. It doesn't deal with the problem. The problem is a deep heart problem. Now the people have been convicted of their sin and they have repented and they've put away their false gods and they've served the Lord only. So now Samuel is going to pray. But what does he pray? deliver us from our enemies? No. He prays, we have sinned against the Lord. And so he cries out to the Lord with repentance 
and intercession. And so the lords of the Philistines come. They say, look, all of Israel's gathered together. Here's our opportunity to go up against them and to take them out. And Samuel is praying and he's offering up the burnt offering. And right as he's offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines draw near to attack Israel. But what happens? Verse 10, I'll move it up to the top of the screen. As Samuel was offering this up, Philistines draw near. The Lord thunders with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines, threw them into confusion, and they were defeated before Israel. Was it a well-organized army under very competent and experienced military leadership? No, it was the power of God that delivered the people from their enemies. And they go out and they pursue the Philistines and they strike them. And then Samuel does the stone of Ebenezer. Here I raise my Ebenezer. By the way, I got a new coffee cup. Got it as a Christmas present. I had posted uh, this picture, kind of an old school meme, on Facebook as a memory from when I had posted it years ago. And somebody very nicely got me this coffee cup. Drink coffee, do stupid things faster with more energy. Or do smart things, um, like being God's word um, in the morning. So, the Ebenezer. What is Ebenezer? Ebenezer is a remembrance. It's a, I remember this is what the Lord has done for me, and I will give him uh, praise. I will give him thanks. I will remember. So, um, that's what a stone of Ebenezer is. And so, when we sing, Come Thou Fount, with the original words, which is how it should be sung, Here I raise my Ebenezer, Hither by thy help I'm come. We're saying, Lord, you have brought me to this point in my life. You have saved me from my sins. You have given me faith in Jesus. You have strengthened me day by day. You have brought me to this point in my life. You have blessed me with material blessings. You have been so good to me. I am where I am because you have brought me here. So we see repentance, Reformation, confession, deliverance, thanksgiving. Boy, this is such a greater cycle than what that downward spiral we were dealing with in the book of Judges, wasn't it? I mean, this is a very positive move in the history of God's people. But sadly, if you're looking at your screen, you can see that chapter 8, the very next chapter, which we're going to look at tomorrow says that Israel demands a king. They finally have a faithful judge. They finally repented of their idolatry. They've finally been given relief from the Philistines, and yet they fall back into patterns of worldliness. Not out-and-out idolatry with the Baals and Ashtaroth yet, but still a creeping worldliness in a very significant way is going to come back, and we'll look at that tomorrow. Let's pray. Father, Guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. By the power of your Holy Spirit, keep us from idolatry that is rank and gross and keep us from worldliness that is creeping and subtle and destructive. 
give us yourself as our God. Take us to yourself as your people day by day as our good shepherd. And let us give you praise for every good gift you bring to our lives, every good place where you bring us in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, that's 1 Samuel chapter 7. Tomorrow, 1 Samuel chapter 8. Hope you can join me for that. As always, have a blessed day in the Lord.